This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Um, Johnny and Tony, the list, just the legacy that they've left. They started a Bible school then. Out of that Bible school, so many churches were planted. And so we visited about 20 churches, 25 churches. We traveled more than 45 hours just by train and another 15 hours by, by car. And it was just so amazing to go and see the legacy that they've left. And one of, one of the things, this confession I have to make is in their language, and I'm not going to say it this morning, in, their, in the Russian language, if you greet somebody, the greeting is a swear word in Afrikaans. It starts with a K, you know. So the first time we walked in there and the pastor says, K de la, you know. And I thought like, What's happening? This guy is swearing at me, you know, but then it was a greeting. Okay, so, so I, I, I sweared the whole week and I didn't feel bad about it. So I just have to confess that, okay? So I used a lot of swear words. If you, if you get a video clip of me doing a swear word, it's actually a greeting word in Russia. Okay, so just to get that off my chest. We must confess in church. Don't tell anybody else. Okay. The, the second thing I confessed is I, or I have to confess I had to repent. Because I was realizing, and this is where the sermon comes from, Johnny is 81 years old, and so we, we actually went there to go and, and visit lots of the churches and to follow up on the legacy and to send teams there next year. Um, Johnny is 81, like I said. And, um, and, and so at the, in the middle of the trip, this is now their last trip to the Ukraine, you know, because they're getting a bit older and all that stuff. So in the middle of the trip, Johnny started to use these words. He said, um, you know, when we come back next year, and, and I said, did you say you or we? He said, no, 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 we. And I said, but, but last year you told me that this is the last time you're going. But they say that every year, and then they go the next year again, <laughs> okay? And uh, <clears throat> so the, the one thing that really challenged me is um, this amazing hunger to do the will of God when you're 81 years old. Every morning I just woke up, and Johnny was there like, going with us all the way, you know, just like when we're awake, when then he's awake, when he did everything, walked for kilometers, just like crazy for Jesus. I said, um, Johnny, please lay hands on me because if, when I'm 81, just like Kumi, yeah, oh no, 84, 81, 81. No, it's Tani Mori that's 94. Okay, so, um, yeah, then, then uh, um, Johnny, just lay hands on me because I want to be like you when I'm 81 years old. Okay, so he already started to talk about having his 90th birthday in the Ukraine and then getting everybody there, you know. So he's planning for his 90th birthday and then getting all. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, wow, you know, what a way to live, you know. Um, and then as we were there, everyone thanked him and everybody was appreciative of their work. But the most amazing thing is he just thanked them all the time and said, said, if Jesus didn't come into my life, I would have been nothing. And if... God didn't give me this opportunity to sacrifice most of my life to come here. I would have never had this richness of knowing you and living and and you adding so much to my life. And I thought like, wow, what a way to live. You know, our culture is a consumer culture. I want it and I want it now. I want to be in my comfort. So everything in our lives in the West is designed for comfort. But the greatest sign of spiritual maturity is a greater hunger for God. 
We think spiritual maturity is equal to knowing more intellectual things. But the more mature you are in God, the more hungry you become. And so, what is that thing? What are those things in our lives that keep us from learning, from growing, from being hungry? There's a lot of things, and a lot of that has got to do with our culture. Because the culture says, get it and get it now, the instant fixes, all that stuff. And there's a story in Mark chapter 5, we read it. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. So Jesus went with him, and great multitude followed him and thronged him. Isn't this just an amazing picture? We can probably talk about just this first verse. <laughs> When we read the scriptures, I, I, I have a bit of an image. So I, I, think of, I, I think of the picture. I think of what happened and what does it mean that a great multitude thronged Jesus. Throng, that word for throng is that all pressed in to be with him. In such a way that there wasn't any comfortable physical space even. Everyone, just imagine Jesus walking around and he wasn't like ministering from a stage and with five bodyguards like the modern, you know, church is like, you know, get up on the stage, get back, not be with people, you know. He was, he was there amongst the people and so people thronged him, people were pressing, people just wanted to become so, wanted to be so close to him because they wanted to hear. They were curious on the one side, they were hungry on the other side because because here, because of the society that they were in, the Jews especially were oppressed. And they were looking for hope. They were looking for a way out, out of that oppression. And so here they're like thronging him. They're like pressing towards him. They followed him and they thronged him. And now, now we hear the story of this certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. And she had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus... She came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately this fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, I like what the old King James says, virtue has gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you, and you say, who touched me? But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. We, we can actually much time because you can read the story and probably heard the story 500 times, but there's some stuff that you can miss. And the, one of them is that she was healed twice. The first time of a physical ailment, but the second time of something much deeper. The first time she touched him, she was healed because the flow of her blood stopped. But the second time, he says, because of your faith, be healed of your affliction, the torment, the fear, the stuff that comes with it, the shame that comes with it. That's a much deeper healing. Because this woman in the culture in Leviticus, you can go read it. If you had the flow of blood, you were not allowed to touch anybody. <laughs> You're not allowed to come close to anybody. You actually had to shout out, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. And there were a massive repercussions if you did not do that. So this woman, is, it's not just an ordinary story of a little lady creeping up on Jesus and touching his garment. 
She had a lot of affliction, but she also had a lot of shame because she was not allowed to come to anybody because even if somebody touched her, that person had to go and wash themselves and separate themselves for three days. So you had to, when you wanted to go out in public, you had to shout, I'm unclean, I'm unclean, don't touch me. (laughs) And then everybody would like walk aside so that you can go around, but nobody would come close to you. So this woman took a massive risk. By actually coming out in public and not shouting, I'm unclean, I'm unclean. She put everything on the line to touch Jesus. Because it came to such a place that she could be killed. If they found out that she was unclean and she didn't warn people. Because the Jews were very strict on these things. So this isn't just an ordinary story. This is a story of somebody that was desperate. Because she went to many doctors, she was looking for a lot of things in her life, and yet she took the risk to say, if Jesus is the only answer, he's my, then I'm going to give everything. Sure, what a story. What a, what a moment when, he, when, he, when she reaches out, and there's a, a lot of things that the scholar says about this touching, because she touched this hem of the garment, and there was these little bells and things that were on the hem of his garments that represented the word of God. And so, so, so this amazing thing when, she, when all these people are thronging him and everybody's pressing him and Jesus knows when, when somebody touches him in that way of just utter desperation and utter dependency. And so this is what we're talking about this morning is, is why do we lose our hunger? Why do we lose that desire for God? Why do we lose it? And one of the big reasons, I think, is because of pride. You know, you, you, um, the stats say that most people that come to know Jesus in this world is between the age of 12 and 18. Most people that come to salvation are not over 30 years of age. I wonder why. Because when you're young, you are teachable, you want to learn, you want to grow, you, you want to discover. But when you get older, what happens is the world has thrown its stuff at you. <laughs> You've had a couple of curveballs coming your way. You had a couple of offenses you had to deal with. And especially in church. <laughs> in South Africa, do you know how many people is sitting outside of church? They offended, but not really with church, they were offended with God. But it's easier to blame something or somebody or the relationships that I can touch than to actually be real and honest about, I'm offended with God. So many people out there, and when you walk up to them, they would still tell you they love Jesus. But in their hearts, there's a bitterness. In their hearts, it's grown hard. And that's why scripture says, God, your heart above all things. (laughs) You see, and this is what hunger does. The, The world says, stop eating and then you'll get hungry. Scripture says, fill yourself and you'll get more hungry. <laughs> it works the other way around. Isn't it amazing about the gospel? Everything is upside down, you know? If you want to live, come and die. <laughs> Turn to your neighbor and say, there's invitation for you to die so that you can live. <laughs> oh, you know? But we see this in this woman's life. And so, so where we start is we need to... Realize our need for him. Listen to this in John chapter 15, verse 4 to 5. That's what Jesus says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. 
you abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. And then he just uses this phrase, for without me, you can do nothing. Any effort in the church or in your life to try and do something and it's outside of Christ will be dead works. If it's not coming from a place of abiding in him. And, and he actually says it. Now you can use that word, you know, these, you can go to the Greek and the Hebrew. You can get very deep on the word nothing. You can use Chinese, nothing. You can use it in different ways, you know, Russian, nothing, you know, what, whatever, you know. You, you can try and pronounce it in many different ways and you can try to get very deep about that word, but nothing means nothing. Nothing. I want you to say it slowly. Nothing. You know, while talking, nothing. Nothing, okay? No thing. Nothing. Outside of Christ, we can do nothing and we are nothing. You know, Jesus said it, and when people say, hey, can I be good? How do I be good with my works or with my stuff that I do? He said, nobody's good, only the Father. We're miserable, we're wretched, we're nothing without him, and we can do nothing without him. And unless you and I discover that, we're always trying our own strengths to be good. We always, we always try to be these great Christians. And that's the problem I have with the modern day charismatic church. Is we do more life coaching. And we tell people they're good. And we want to enhance their lifestyle with the prosperity gospel. And say, just, just be a better person. And that's not the gospel. The gospel is not about a, becoming a better you. The gospel is all about I was dead and Jesus made me alive. You know, we had this um, moment with this one Russian pastor, and he said he was in the army. And so three of his military leaders one was against Christianity a lot, and especially one of his commanders. So one day there were just the four of them that went out into the woods to go and do like, checkups with the enemy and all that stuff, still in the Soviet Union. And so suddenly he realized, but there's something different happening here. Because these three have conspired to kill him. So they took him into the woods. The guy took a gun, put it on next to his head and says, deny Jesus. All we're going to do is we'll just, if you don't deny him, we'll shoot you and we'll just tell the rest, the animals killed you. And then the other one took the other gun and put it on the other side of his head. And he said, no, I will never deny Jesus. Because I'll actually die if I deny him. But as long as I have him, I live. So you can't threaten me with death. But when I deny him, I die. I die eternally. And then the, there was a shuffle in the woods somewhere. And the, the one guy that started to panic and they turned against each other, started to fight, just took off his gun. Thought, well, maybe the animals is going to kill him in any case. Got into the thing and drove away and left him there in the woods. Um, Three days later, he arrived again with a smile. Sure. What if somebody would walk in here today and put a gun next to your head? Oh, pastor, the worship was just too long. And I don't like those lights in front at the stage. And don't talk to me about joy. You don't know. You don't know. You know, and then, but just 
Just take good stock at what comes out of your mouth. Woo. Getting very quiet. Pastor Gilly, why is it so quiet in here? But in any case, so abide in me, he says. Without me, you can do nothing. And that is the center of the gospel, a need for him. Not an improved lifestyle. Not a be a better experience at church because, hey, this church is nicer than the one around the corner, you know. I don't like the theology so much around the corner. And I don't like that, that, that songs they sing. And I don't, I don't like that. You know, and I'd rather watch Christian TV. And then meantime, there's no abiding. Ooh, our need for him. Matthew, in Matthew, it writes, Matthew 5, it are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness means to stand in a relationship with God, to be in the right position before God every day. It's a daily thing. For they shall be filled. What are you filling yourself with? What am I filling myself with? You know, if you're hungry, it means like, it, if, if you have a real hunger for God, it will take you out of your comfort zone all the time. You know, there's, um, it's actually very, very embarrassing sometimes when you go with a team overseas, like we've traveled. Now, one of the person, and this is, don't think too much about the picture. Don't dream now. But uh, if you travel a lot, then some people s- struggle with constipation. Do you know what that is? I'm, maybe I said in Chinese, constipation, okay? But so they, that's if your body's, you know, if you just sit all the time in the airplane, Stegenberg, are you offended? Where, where are you going? Are you going to the toilet? No, no, I'm joking, I'm joking, okay. Maybe that word released something, you know, just, we lose you, we lose you, we bind nothing. Okay, but so, there's certain prayers you have to pray when people struggle to go to the toilet, is you don't, you pray the loosing prayers, I mean, not the binding, I bind, bind, but so, that's just a joke, that's just a, you're getting me distracted this morning, but so, if you travel a lot, then the problem is you sit in the airplane and the train and all that stuff. And because of all the sitting and all the eating, there's no movement in your body. And that means that you get problems, okay? But you know how many Christians are like that? Just feeding themselves all the time. Your body's been made to exercise, and that means that there's a healthy flow of stuff coming in and stuff going out. Keep the best, release the rest. I don't know, but in any case, I, <laughs> I just thought of that. That was quite cool. Eh? But in any case, so. <laughs> so, a lot of people, because we're consumer orientated, we become constipated. Well, yeah, I'm rhyming everything today. <laughs> okay, but anyway, okay, so we stop growing. Listen to this faith, the expression of trust. Faith, real faith, faith is the expression of trust. So David, for instance, stayed dependent on God. Although he was very rich and he had the greatest kingdom ever. And yeah, scripture says the hardest people to enter into the kingdom of God is the rich people that love money more than what they love God. So we met this one pastor, he had this amazing saying. 
He said he came to the realization that many people in his church, they asked the one God to bless the other God. So they prayed to the one God, the real God, the God we serve, to bless Mammon, to bless them. They say, oh God, please bless Mammon so that he can bless me so that I can have more. I realized like that's a different way of thinking. It's just the Russians that can think like that. But in any case, if we have real faith, we trust, and there's a dependency on God, but your dependency grows in God if you have this hunger. So that's why I'm going to say this again. If you are truly mature, humility and teachability and dependence on God is the sign of a true mature Christian. Humility means I'm always learning, I'm always teachable, I'm always, I always want to grow so that when I'm 81 years old, I'm going to realize that I want to grow more. I, I, I still know so little about God. And that's humility. Humility is the key to greatness in the kingdom of God. Because humility brings a dependency on God that is so real because you realize like, wow, I, I know so little. But we're sitting in a town where intellectualism and lots of money for many people, not for all, but for some people, it's become so proudful, become so puffed up. And we can't learn from anybody else. That's why pride is so ugly. And there's only two kinds of people that God resists. God loves sinners. Did you know that? God loves homosexual people. God loves the broken people. God loves broken people in the church. God loves all people. But the only two kinds of people that he resists are the proudful and the hypocrites. If you pretend something that you are not ready before God, <laughs> and if you've Become haughty, proudful. There's no humility. Because if you're humble, it mean, means I'm always growing. I'm always teachable. I'm always like saying, Lord, I want more of you. Lord, I want to discover where you're moving. I want to I grow. So that means that a 10-year-old can walk up to me and I can learn something about God from a 10-year-old. So, because they'll have a desire and a, a trust in God that... We don't have many times when we grow a bit older. So sometimes just go and play with the kids and then just like, go and ask them what is real faith. No, but Jesus said it, so let's do it. Whoa. He said pray for the sick, so let's pray for the sick. So take your kids with when you pray for the sick and see how the people get healed. Because they just have like a childlike faith, just like this amazing ability, you know. So, be hungry for righteousness, true humility. Saying no to instant food. The scripture that we've been reading the past couple of weeks is in Ephesians 5. It says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We truly live in evil days. We truly live in days where everything goes it's good for you, you just do it. There's no more truth, there's no more absolutes, there's no more accountability, there's no more fear of God. Well, God doesn't exist in any way, so why would you bother? A guy who 
you know, that's one of the big um, pub managers here in town. And this week sent a message on Facebook to, to the church chauffeur, the chauffeur to us. And um, saying, where do I find God and all that stuff? And he was sort of like mocking and saying, no, I found Jesus at the KFC, you know. That was his answer. But at least we know his name now. Because I love it when people do that. It means they're actually hungry. It means that God is busy moving. When the real unsaved people begin to, in a sense, begin to reach out. Because they're looking, they're searching, they just don't know where. Most people say, oh, you know, I'm thinking like, wow, what an opportunity. So I'm just daring him. I'm just saying, if you are bold enough and courageous enough, let's go drink coffee. Let's chat and then you're going to see how God loves you. But see, if, we, if we're humble, we grow, but we get filled with so many things everywhere. And we, we always tell people, hey, Jesus number one, family number two, ministry number three, da 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 But we should actually say Jesus number one. No number two. Maybe number Z, E, E, Z, point one, 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 E, or the rest. Jesus number one with no number two. Nothing can compare to him. Because if Jesus is number one, then all the other stuff will fall in order. I'm not saying like, you know, tell your mother, I hate you now, you know. It's just simply, is he number one with no number two? But, but, but you know, sometimes the, that family becomes our idol. Sometimes that work that he's given us becomes our idol. Sometimes that degree we've studied, that becomes our idol. The blessing of God can so easily become our idol if we lose our hunger for him. Sure. I'm just saying very simple stuff, but how, how are you reaching out to touch him? <laughs> like that woman. How are you going? I want, to, want you to, have you got that little clip of Wim Ravi? He shares a testimony and he does it better than a plate. And then, to just the voice. To what degree do you hunger and thirst for his will in your life? Saying yes to the call of God on his life. You see, Jesus in John chapter 4, and I'm going to end with this, in verse 13, he said, if you drink from this living waters that I want to give you, you'll never thirst again. And what he was meaning, like, yes, you're never going to thirst again for the things of the world. And later he defined in verse 34, food is to do the will of my Father who sent me and to finish his work. And he says, that the harvest is here. Don't, don't say it's going to happen maybe three years from now. Don't say 40 years from now I'll serve the Lord when I am a billionaire. It's not going to happen. Because if your heart is hardened and you don't do it now, you will lose that hunger. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.